Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By the knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. What an amazing passage. And what an amazing prophet to have been given such a prophecy. The prophet Isaiah was a contemporary of men like Amos, Hosea, and Micah. He began his ministry in 740 BC, the year King Uzziah died. And he spent most of his life in Jerusalem exercising a very productive ministry during the reign of of King Hezekiah. 
And after 40 years of holy service, it's thought that Isaiah died sometime around 680 B.C. A number of his prophecies are recognized as looking forward to the time of the coming of the promised Messiah. And our reading today is one such prophecy. And it reveals so much for us of the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross of Calvary. 700 years after this prophecy. For a few minutes, I would like us to consider some of the statements made in Isaiah's prophecy. In verse 3, Isaiah described the coming Messiah as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Truly, the Lord Jesus was and is the suffering servant of God. Because time and time again, his ministry of godly service, both in word and action, for the care and the needs of others, was met with opposition and derision by the ruling authorities. It would be quite legitimate to say they hated Jesus. And the Lord Jesus suffered the abuse and the ridicule of those who saw him as a nobody. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, and Luke chapter 13, verse 34, we read the words of the Lord Jesus as he grieved for all the people of Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. The stubbornness that Jesus encountered against God. And it's much the same even today. The gospel records of the events surrounding the arrest, the unlawful trials and the unjust crucifixion of the Lord Jesus also speak loudly of the sorrows and the griefs he endured even for you and me. In verse 3 of our reading also we read these words, He was despised. And we did not esteem him. Though the Lord Jesus was innocent of any and all wrongdoing, though he repeatedly gave of himself for the well-being of others, especially the sick, the disabled, and the outcast, the Lord Jesus was repeatedly accused and abused by those who saw his ministry as a challenge to their authority and power. They weren't healing the sick, but they abused Jesus because he was. Even on the day of his crucifixion, though he was found by Pilate 
the Roman prefect to have committed no crime, he was handed over to the crowd who clamoured for his death. Truly he was despised because the people did not understand the nature of his divine mission, his divine love, his divine mercy, his divine grace, his divine forgiveness and the new hope that he offered. In verse 4 of the prophecy we read, He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You know, one of the amazing things about the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus is that his death matters. His death matters for you and me. It is true that death is part of the natural consequence of life. Because when we die, we will have fulfilled our allotted days of our life. But will our life and death of itself have any lasting or enduring consequences, good or bad? To be sure, we will have left a legacy of love to our immediate families. But after a few generations, we will no longer be remembered. After all, how many of you here think of your great-great-grandparents whom you never met? Do you spend any time thinking about who they were, their life, or anything else about them? The death of the Lord Jesus is decidedly different in that his death has had eternal consequences. On the cross of Calvary, because he is God revealed in human flesh, the Lord Jesus did not what no one else could ever do. He bore our sin, our iniquities, our sufferings, our corruptions, our shame, all upon himself. As we read in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, For he, that is God, made him who knew no sin, that is Jesus, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It is very clear, even in the early church, they knew and they understood this divine mystery. He who knew no sin became sin for you and me. And in verse 5, Isaiah then said, sorry, in, in verse 5, Isaiah then said, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. You know, so often when we talk about the events surrounding the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, we tend to sanitize and glorify it. Or, like they did on the radio this morning, we gloss over it so quickly. 
the statement on the radio was, for those who are religious, it's about Jesus who died on the cross. And that's all that was said. And then they went on about Easter bunnies and they went on about Easter eggs and all of this sort of nonsense. For the Lord Jesus, however, for the Lord Jesus, it consisted of some of the most brutal and barbaric forms of torture ever devised by mankind. That's what the cross meant for him. The Lord Jesus was cruelly and mercilessly whipped. It was not uncommon for a person to die of such treatment as it stripped the flesh off your back down to the very bone. And often salt was then applied to the wound to avoid infection, which also had the effect of increasing the pain. Ever cut your hand and then had salt put on it? Can you imagine that on your back after 39 lashes with the cat of nine tails? The soldiers then thrust a crown of thorns on Jesus' head, very similar to that one. If you like, I can take it down and let you feel the point of those thorns. And as with most thorns, they have a sap on the tip of the thorn that can cause extreme agony. And when the Lord Jesus was put on the cross, it was made of roughly hewn timber, not the polished crosses that we see adorning in many churches today. Large iron nails were hammered through his feet and wrists to secure him to the cross. Normally death was due to congestive heart failure and it usually took two to five days depending on the strength of the victim to lift themselves up to breathe which all puts stress and strain on the heart. All I can say is that the Lord Jesus endured this and more because of God's great love for you and me. Not just the physical agony which he bore, but the agony of our sin and our shame and our corruption. Just in the last few days, you've seen on the TV the agony experienced by a couple of men who acknowledged their sinfulness and their corruption. Compound that by millions, millions, millions times and you get an idea of what Jesus bore for you and me. In verse 6, Isaiah said this, we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why did the Lord Jesus have to suffer such a horrible and cruel death? The simple answer is that it was for you and me. 
to save us from the scourge of our corrupted humanity. The scourge which is to think that we are the masters of our own destiny and do whatever we like. And we still think that. We delude ourselves into thinking that life is the accumulation of pleasures and experiences and wealth and power and notoriety. And we delude ourselves into thinking that there will be no consequences, that we can please ourselves and it doesn't matter how wrong we are. Whenever mankind ignores or rejects God, we reap the consequences and they are not pretty. There can be no greater sorrow than eternal separation and alienation from God. Unfortunately, most people will only think about this after death when the reality of their eternal situation will be finally revealed and they will be totally unprepared. The Lord Jesus came to reveal the consequences of our sin and our disobedience against God and to give us a fresh start. That's why he came. That's why he's so important. But it will only be possible if we accept his invitation here and now. As we read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he, that is Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. Jesus came to make a difference in our lives and not just an eternal difference but also a difference here and now. It begins here and now but it has eternal consequences. That's why he came. In verse 9, Isaiah went on to again reveal the Lord Jesus in prophecy. He had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. Today we talk about justice. It's one of the catch cries of our generation. For the Lord Jesus, there was no justice on the cross of Calvary. For the Lord Jesus, there was no justice on the cross of Calvary. From a purely human perspective, his death was the greatest act of injustice the world has ever known. And having said this, when the Lord died on the cross, he made the way possible for us to be set free from the divine justice that we rightfully deserve. He set us free that we may know the eternal mercy and grace of God. It was in his death the Lord Jesus put forward an invitation for each one of us to receive divine forgiveness. In verse 12, Isaiah declared, He bore the sin of many and made intercession 
for the transgressors. Brothers and sisters, make no mistake. At the Last Supper, when the Lord Jesus broke the bread and offered the cup of wine to his disciples, he took upon himself the task of universal redemption, which the prophet Isaiah had declared would be the sign of the suffering servant of God. The prophet Jeremiah also spoke of the Lord Jesus when he prophesied the coming of God's new covenant between himself and mankind. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. That doesn't mean say that God forgets. He chooses not to remember. There is a difference. Today, let us be very clear about one thing. We do not celebrate the death of the Lord Jesus. We mourn. We mourn. We grieve. We mourn the fact that our sin, our selfishness, our disobedience against God caused the Lord Jesus untold agony and suffering when he bore our rightful penalty. And having acknowledged this, we then also give thanks to God that in the death of our Lord Jesus, our lives have been forever transformed for the better. Did Isaiah fully understand what he was saying when God gave him the revelation in prophecy? Probably not. He probably did not understand the very words that God had given him. But today, in the light of the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy in the Lord Jesus, we are the beneficiaries of God's great patience and long-suffering. Truly, the Lord Jesus is our Saviour and our Redeemer. Truly, he took upon himself our penalty for sin. May we never forget that the price has been paid. He paid the price. Amen? Let's pray. Now, Father God, how many times have we read this prophecy of Isaiah and we haven't realised that while we understand it in the light of the events of the New Testament and in the reading of the Gospels, Isaiah the prophet did not have that benefit. He was simply speaking what you had given him to say. 
and after 700 years, it was fulfilled. The life, ministry and death of our Lord Jesus was no accident of nature, was no random event in human history. The coming of Jesus was purposed by you, Lord God, from the very beginning of time. And we thank you that we live today in the light of the fulfillment of your purposes. We give you glory, Lord God. We thank you for coming in the person of Jesus. We thank you for bearing our sin, our shame, and our corruption. And we pray, Lord God, that by your Holy Spirit, we may remain faithful and true to you, even unto our very life's end. We ask these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.